Welcome to Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. In this episode, Hybrid Learning with Galen College of Nursing, we are joined by Dr. Aaron Lentz, Dean of Arts and Sciences at Galen, Stephen Carniol, Senior Director of Online Technology and Instructional Design at Galen, and Giancarlo Delvita, Higher Education Design Leader at BHDP. Our guests discuss the rapid shift to virtual learning, how Galen's hybrid model prior to the pandemic created a smoother transition for students and faculty, and how brick and mortar learning can adapt. I am your host, Brian Trainer, a workplace strategist for BHDP, and I'll let our guests introduce themselves further. Hi, yes, so my name is Erin Lentz, and I'm the Dean of Arts and Sciences at Galen College of Nursing. And so in that role, I oversee the multiple sections of arts and science courses that we offer, and I've been with Galen for about 10 years. Steven, would you like to introduce yourself? Who are you, sir? Thank you, Brian. Hi, I'm Stephen Carniel. I'm the Senior Director of Online Technology and Instructional Design at Galen. I've been with Galen for a little over 10 years as well. My responsibilities, including overseeing all of our course development, so the instructional design and multimedia teams report to me, and I also oversee our distance learning technology, such as Canvas, which is a learning management system, Zoom, Screencast-O-Matic, products like that. And Giancarlo. <laughs> yes, hi, I'm Giancarlo Del Vita. I'm the higher education design leader for BHTP. And I've been working with Galen now for about three years on several campuses throughout the nation. Uh, the first project was in Tampa, then we worked in uh, Texas, then Miami, Louisville. We're doing their new headquarters there. So we're very excited to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Giancarlo. So Aaron, I'm going to ask you first. So tell us a little bit about Galen College, please. Yeah. So we are a single purpose nursing college. So we focus solely on nursing and we offer multiple degrees just in the nursing field. So we have an, an LVN or LPN program. We have an associate's degree in nursing. We also offer a bachelor's degree and then recently, we started offering master's degrees in nursing. In addition to that, we offer the arts and science courses along with the nursing courses. And that's, that's unique. Most nursing programs don't have that option. Students must come to the nursing program having completed those general education requirements. We really do strive to serve students who typically would not maybe get accepted to some of these other nursing programs around the country. And we really do work hard to support those students. We have a lot of student support initiatives and a rather large student support department to help them. And so we really do pride ourselves in, in calling and thinking of ourselves as a college of opportunity. I like that college of opportunity because it speaks to some inclusivity that, you know, all are welcome to come here and learn and do whatever you want to advance your own personal life or career. Um, Stephen, did you want to add to that? Yes. So other things that are unique about Galen is a tremendous focus on its culture. And I think when you when we talk, talking about some of the other things that you wanted to talk about in, in this podcast, a lot of the things that we were able to accomplish wasn't something that you could do overnight. We were prepared for it because of the way we develop our culture and the investment that they make in developing 
our leadership and our what we call our eye care principles and even just looking at our vision statement you know change the life of one to care for the life of many we don't just put this on our website it's something that we re reinforce with our faculty our staff it's in artwork which Giancarlo can speak to you know throughout our campus and how we try to inspire with our vision and mission it's been a work in progress and it's something that we work on continuously we're always on this quality improvement mission and leadership can come from anybody you don't need a title to be a leader here at Galen and good ideas come from everywhere it's that culture that has enabled us to thrive where other colleges may be struggling more and one of the pieces I wanted to get clarity on, you said eye care, and I presume you don't mean, you know, like uh, for your glasses, it's more of a policy of eye as a person care or? No, it's uh, inclusivity, character, accountability, respect, and excellence. Oh, wow. Okay. And so uh, it's just an acronym that we've come up with, and it, it's the foundation of our driving principles of our culture. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad I asked about that. I just learned something. So you had said that Galen was a little better prepared. I want to talk about your culture too, but also I want to talk about in the lens of our current situation, you know, so COVID was disruptive for higher education and a, a lot of places were kind of in a wait and see mode. And it seemed like Galen was quick to respond. How were you able to respond so quickly or how did you respond to the pandemic? So our last ground class was on Friday, March 13th. We went virtual on Tuesday, March 17th. We already had our online program, so there was no impact on the online program or our hybrid ADN program. But we had 933 sections of theory lab and clinical that would have been taking place on ground that was switched over to what we now call our virtual delivery, which would be synchronous versus our online, which is asynchronous, pretty much over the course of a weekend. And what we did was the few days leading up to that Friday, we did several webinars for the faculty for training. Then we followed that up with, we created something called the Zoom Task Force. We grabbed people with technical backgrounds and a lot of members of my team. And we created a list of every single faculty member. And every single one of them had an appointment with someone on the Zoom Task Force to check off that they had the basic skills to run a virtual classroom from knowing how to manage the participants list to sharing a screen and recording, sharing that recording afterwards. We didn't leave our faculty just, here's your Zoom account, go ahead and teach. You know, we made sure that they were ready and prepared for that. Prior to that, we were having several leadership meetings on a weekly basis, planning for contingencies as, as information was coming to us from the government and what we were seeing at the state level and the federal level, looking at just, you know, we're a nursing college, we always want to put the safety of everybody first. And that has always been one of our, our driving tools that we use is, is uh, decision tree, which is also part of our culture. And then when we finally made the decision to go virtual, we already had everything lined up in place because we were planning and anticipating different scenarios going into it. So I'd like to add on to a little bit of what Steve was, was mentioning. So certainly our culture played a big role in our ability to be able to achieve such a huge accomplishment. But even stepping back further than that, you know, when we hire our faculty, we bring them in with the expectation of you will be immersed in technology. You can't sit in your class and shy away from it. So we already have those foundational expectations laid. We also have a standardized course approach to our delivery and curriculum. And that helped us 
be able to set some standards and expectations for the faculty and what these virtual classes would look like. And then so students received the same experience, no matter whose class they were in, whether they were in an arts and science class or a nursing class. The only thing that changed was the content they were receiving, but the experience and the expectations were still there. We took it even a step further. We took all of our orientations, our admissions, our financial aid, they all went virtual. Our employees, we didn't furlough or lay off any employees. Our goal was to always keep every, as much steadiness and foundation because we didn't know what was going to happen. Now, we ended up being very successful during it. We actually had 18% growth in our population or enrollments since COVID hit, which is incredible. It's very impressive. Going into COVID, we had no idea what was going to happen. We didn't know if we were going to lose 20% of our students or our faculty for that matter, people getting sick. But we created this environment that just immersed in technology and empowering our employees to work from home. Thank you for that, Steve. Giancarlo, did you want to add something? Yeah, I would like to add this culture that Dr. Lance and Stephen were mentioning is also our experience working with them is really, we are in a partnership with Galen College of Nursing as opposed to a client and architect relationship. We really like understood their vision. We did work with them in defining vision, designing drivers, understanding the culture. And the result is that we've been following them as they expand throughout the nation with new campuses on an advisor level, on a partner level. And the fact that we can say about Galen as a client or as a partner is really this collaborative approach, this understanding their uh, students, understanding the faculty, and really providing solutions, always thinking about what we can do better, how to improve. And really is a growth that we've been growing with them. And what Dr. Lance, Stephen were mentioning about the culture, it has a big impact on how they reacted to the new situation that COVID presented. And we also engage with the leadership of Gallen College in several occasions of how can space adapt, react, evolve during this situation. And so it's an ongoing discussion, conversation, development that we have with Gallen College of Nursing. Thanks for that, Giancarlo. I know that there was a new building because I remember seeing it internally. We do design shares sometimes, and I remember seeing the Galen one. I'm trying to remember, was that in Florida? We have several campuses going at the same time now under construction. The bigger one is the headquarter in Louisville, Kentucky, where we have okay. a new, the new administration, the new campus. We're in the middle of this pandemic that changes the whole dynamic of how students learn and the presence on campus. What do we have to do to our building? How can we use this facility differently? So we did some brainstorming where we talked about adapting spaces to more hands-on lab and transforming what were to be lecture classroom to labs to have more spread out this social distancing, have the same capacity, but on on a broader area as opposed to a typical classroom of 30. Now you don't do your class of 30 anymore. Like Stephen and Dr. Lance is playing with their online capability and technology, we're able to jump into the technology to their advantage, to their student advantage. So now we're focusing on the on-campus experience is going to be more based on hands-on practice as opposed to theory. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So the things where you need to come in and it's more tactile learning. So repurpose the campus space to allow for more of that at a safer distance. And then you've got that uh, infrastructure set up for the other types of courses already, because it sounds like you, Galen had a really great infrastructure prior. You know, Galen has a great reputation among you know nursing colleges. And then when you start to see our facilities, even if they're just through photos and we see the the new building that we're creating in in Louisville, which is just spectacular. You want to go there. It's just like, this is where I want to go every day to learn. So, so Dr. Lentz, how are the students doing right now? So we're still mid pandemic as of this recording. What's the student experience? I think a word I would put to it is thriving. I think, um, you know, obviously we have identified some challenges, but for the most part, I think students are adapting very well to this virtual world that we've created at Galen. And we have conducted roundtable discussions with students and the feedback it continuously comes back very positive with the things that we've created and, and put in place for our students. And of course, we look at student course data, like student satisfaction data, and we've been able to maintain an 85% student satisfaction rate. And that's very comparable to what we see from year to year. Giancarlo, you were working with students of different universities over the summer to throw you a curveball and you'd actually surveyed some students about you know, like what was missing from the ex the university experience. Yeah. Did you want to talk I about think, that? Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Overwhelmingly, we so back in the spring, April and May, we held several um, roundtable with students from high school students, as well as most importantly, higher education students throughout the country, several colleges, universities throughout the country. And most students felt like Online learning is definitely useful, is their learning, they can manage, oftentimes they can manage their time. It's a little different though with the students at Galen because first of all, their age, higher and older age group, they typically have already know how to manage the schedules as opposed to a you know, freshman or a sophomore in, in college where they want to get with their friends and, and play and go to the games and get the full uh, campus experience, the more traditional campus experience. While Galen College is a little different because there's it's a more adult population, more focused population. So they were able to transition like Stephen Dr. Lenz has successfully, because of this reason, and while what we heard, though, to give the big, bigger picture of this, the impact of COVID and online learning to the more traditional student was that they do crave to go back on campus. They do, the students generally overwhelmingly miss the being there, the, the whole experience. The, the being away from home, the being independently, one thing that we know the reality now for any students, whether it's Wigelian or other more traditional or you know liberal art, it's that you don't have your own place, your own time, your own life. You are at home with your parents, you are at home with roommates, you are in different socioeconomic conditions that might not allow you to have great connectivity, Wi-Fi, privacy, even like basic needs. While where you're on campus, it was more an equalizer. You were out of home and you were like playing level with others, independently from many factors. Now, a lot of students, we understand, they face a reality that is not always particularly positive or inducing to, to studying. <laughs> 
so it sounds like that Galen is doing something very well because there's a, you know, a sense of loss, but, you know, universities can create that equity of experience because you're working from the same building, the same equipment, tools, infrastructure, but Galen was prepared for this where you did have, you said you had a hybrid, I, I forget what the acronym was, you said hybrid something, but then there was the online also. So what do you do to create an equity of experience when not everyone's home learning environment is the same? So one thing that Galen did was that, you know, we provided almost anything that the students needed to be successful in this delivery method. We provided Chromebooks to students. We provided microphones and webcams and hotspots because we didn't want to lower our expectations for engagement for our students or even faculty. We still expected them to be present on a webcam able to interact through a microphone with their instructor and their classmates. To maintain those expectations, we of course had to provide materials for them to be able to do that. Yeah, that, the hotspot itself, you take it for granted if you have it, but once you don't, you really understand the difference. And I like what you said, Dr. Lentz, about not wanting to lower your expectations because I've seen the results of universities that went to a pass-fail as a response to COVID and, you know, the, the level of engagement dropped because, okay, well, all I have to do is the bare minimum and I'm going to get through it. Personally, thank you for that because I don't want to go to the doctor and find out that my nurse did the least amount possible. You know? <laughs> right. I totally agree. And, you know, to add on to that, I have many friends who are in the world of academia and they teach their professors at other colleges and universities. And I agree with the feedback that y'all's data showed where students were saying that online wasn't working and they were really frustrated and they missed that interaction and being on campus. But I think a lot of it stemmed from the professors didn't know how to flip their classroom effectively and the student experience wasn't standardized. So you log into one class and the instructor might not even know how to use Zoom. In another class, they don't use Zoom at all and it's just putting videos online. So it was really probably difficult to get into a groove of work to be successful for the students. To Erin's point, so we didn't change the expectation the only thing that was really different is you're now in a virtual class instead of going to the physical class. The feedback that we've heard from students in some of the roundtables is they appreciate the flexibility to a point where we're now actually considering what we're going to do post-COVID, where we only had ground classes and asynchronous online, we're going to now introduce this model of virtual or high flex where half the class may be in class in the ground campus and then we're set up for video there and you know maybe students from another campus are logging in to hear our best teachers or someone's had a doctor's appointment that they couldn't make it to campus why can't they zoom in while they have to miss the day so it's re making us rethink and reconsider how we're going to offer things moving forward as well and that has to go a lot to do with our, our planning now for our new facilities and actually, that's a great point, Steve. As uh, we are just starting to, uh, here at BHTP, working with Galen, our next uh, sites and expansion of Galen. And in fact, as we are starting to design this facility, this space is like we're reevaluating the amount of classes, the actual physical rooms that we implement into the space where we do more labs, but not perhaps as many classrooms as we would have 
potentially planned if it were to be two years ago, a year ago. So there is impact on the design and Galen is being proactive. Was there anything else you did to stand faculty up to be ready for this new environment? Um, what would you carry from that forward if you do create a new environment for, say, that hybrid classroom where there's some in the room and some not? Because that would create a new layer of complexity, you know. Even before COVID, we immerse our faculty in technology. They have to do two weeks of asynchronous work that they're doing on their own, just learn the technical aspects of Canvas. And then we put them in an online course and they have to do four more weeks of facilitated training where they're actually a student in the classroom. They have to participate in discussion boards the same way our students, when they're teaching, will have to participate. No matter how great we are, and you know, there's always room for improvement. So whatever we're doing now is gonna look different a year, two years from now, because we always just wanna get incrementally better. We encourage the faculty to kind of lean into discomfort a little bit, which is another motto of our culture there. We encourage them to be creative in this new world. And one example I'd like to share with you guys is we had a nursing faculty who was explaining blood flow through the heart, which is a very complicated process to follow. And normally in a face-to-face -face classroom setting, she would stand up at the whiteboard and draw it out and, and walk her students through the whole process. Well, at home, she was missing that. So she actually took her computer into the bathroom <laughs> and drew on her shower. And she stood in there and used her fiberglass shower as a whiteboard for her students in the virtual classroom. And when we have faculty do something so creative like that, we share it college-wide. I know Steve mentioned we instituted these college-wide town halls and they happen every Friday. They're optional. You don't have to come, but continuously we have 250 to 300 people show up on a Friday afternoon voluntarily for an hour-long meeting. And it's during these meetings that we share these ideas across the entire college. And there's no reason why another faculty member can't do something similar. And so I think that that has really allowed us to be successful as well. If I can add on to what Aaron just said about the town halls, they initially started out as just informative. What's going on at the college, you know, week to week, COVID just hit, we need to keep everybody in the loop and this is a great way to do it. But as we got out of crisis mode and more into sustainability mode, it morphed. Now all of a sudden, instead of just like, okay, this is what's going on this week and this is what we're thinking, it turned into this whole culture sharing thing where we shared the best practice, like Aaron just said, but then we also turned it into a teaching opportunity. And Dr. Lentz's faculty took turns presenting different topics of their in their area that were related to COVID. And then Dr. Lentz did a whole presentation on the vaccines and how they work and, and the testing that's going on. And then there were several other topics that have been taught by our faculty and it showcased our best teaching as well. It's turned into something that it was never envisioned, but it really has been, we, we have people share what they celebrate. So we did Hanukkah, Diwali, you know, we rotate holidays to just let everybody know, these are your coworkers and what they believe and their backgrounds. And it's, it's just turned into a community. We also talk about wellness. It's very yes. important, self-care. You know, I think that that's really helped us form an even tighter community in this virtual world. You know, you hit on a key that is something that's been a theory of ours for a while that when people are away but trying to work together, it requires there's an inverse proportion theory. The more you're away, the more contact you need. And it sounds like you've found a way to create 
not just more contact, but purposeful contact, you know, something that it keeps people engaged and excited. And if you're having 200 and some folks a week logging on, it sounds like they get something from it. Is that right, Dr. Lentz? Yes, no, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I keep coming back to this architecture of our culture here. But another thing that we continually say is that we over-focus on the things that others under-focus on or ignore. Mm -hmm. And I certainly think community, connecting, even sometimes communication is something that people don't spend enough time thinking about. And that is something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about and focusing on. So the impression that I'm getting just from this conversation is Galen is is not a college where you go, here you go, good luck. It's the, we're going to walk this with you. Faculty, students, we're going to walk with all of you to make sure you get where you need and are supported. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Exactly. You know, we're an architecture firm. That's kind of our bread and butter. And this has definitely had an impact on how people use buildings. I guess, Giancarlo, so how does brick and mortar matter going forward? But then also for Galen, you know, like what what are the buildings mean to you moving forward on how people get together on that skills-based learning and collaboration? So the, the, the first part of your question, the brick and mortar, we, we feel based on the research we've done, the workshop, the engagement, what we understand and know about higher education is that there is definitely the need for brick and mortar in a sense of particularly for hands-on practice subjects, nursing, labs, engineering, chemistry, I mean, where you need to learn by doing. And nursing, it's, it's like theater. The more you do it, the better you get. You need to perform, you need to perform. And that's really what the sim room, the simulation room, the lab, the clinical learning lab, it's your stage. You do it until you get it right. Like you said, you don't want to go to a doctor or a nurse that you know that, oh, I missed that class, I wasn't there. <laughs> they need to do it. So brick and mortar is important, especially in a focus discipline such as nursing. For other situation that is not as focused as nursing, the brick and mortar is, we feel is still important because of the whole, like we said, college experience, because learning is also by teaching. So you need to be in contact next to that, your peer, your faculty, your students. And we think that that presence, that casual meeting somebody, learning something from somebody, happenstance, not because you plan a Zoom meeting at five o'clock, but because you run with them in a corridor and they might be working on something creative that you didn't know. It opens up your imagination. Think about the college experience. It's about that. It's about learning unexpected things just by being there, knowing about art, knowing about uh, whatever you might go for a major and all of a sudden you change because you're exposed to something else that type of experience is it's necessary for the education and that happens on campus the technology and online learning was already well started 10 years ago 15 years ago the MOOCs you remember the big talk about MOOCs uh, 10 years ago it's there it never went away but there was no a, a practice application like now now we had to do it and the one that were like gallon 
knew how to do it correctly, they benefited it. There are some that didn't know how to integrate technology to this level. They might have had some courses, some things, but when you have your whole faculty prepared, ready to run, that's it is, that's the success. At the same time, Gal and too, they want to go back to campus. They want to go back to teaching classes in person, definitely labs, but there will be definitely classes that can be still taught online. There are still many things that can be done on distance and it's great, it's the evolution. So as we think about this pandemic, if you think about the 1918 pandemic, the Spanish flu, it made changes to the built environment. One of those was parks, city parks. People realize we need fresh air. Let's build more parks. People realize that they need the windows, more light, more windows in their building. So there were like actual tangible effect of the architectural and the built environment in reaction to a pandemic. And similar to this, we still don't know yet what's going to be the ultimate solution, but we know the technology what before was a tool we had now is an essential method of delivery and it can only be perfected we have to find the right balance that's it yeah you talk about balance there is something about the in-person experience as john singer Sargent is an american portrait painter and mm -hmm. i had seen pictures of madam x one of his most famous paintings and when you look at it online sometimes the color is a little different because of however that was processed but you don't get the sense of scale of it until you see it in person i, I remember i saw it at the met in new york and it's she's bigger than real life you know so this thing that i'd seen in the book suddenly was this whole different experience in person but i still had a sense of it without it's just there are two levels of experience that sometimes go deeper in person and i was wondering in the last little bit so you know dr lentz and steven i wanted to thank you both for joining us but i also wanted to know did you have any predictions what the future of education holds or the future for galen college I'm actually really excited for the future of education. If I were to try and put it in some words, I think that it's going to provide more learning opportunities and could provide better access to education. Now, as to what demographic that might be, it might not, that might not play towards our younger students, but it might fit into, you know, a single mom or a working family. They got kids in daycare and appointments and things to do, but but if we build in some more flexibility to how we deliver our content, but still maintaining accountability, like you got to log in on a certain day at a certain time and you got to interact with your faculty, that might be a perfect happy medium for a lot of people. Yeah, thank you for that, doctor. And as a non-traditional student, I definitely appreciate it because when I went to architecture school, I was a single father of three that was 11 years older than everyone else. And that was a fight because architecture is a very much in-person discipline. And I found a way to do it on my own. You know, I went to studio when the professor was doing reviews. The rest of the time studio was my living room and they allowed that, but they didn't like it so much. But, you know, the fact that you're embracing it and allowing people to fit education to their lifestyles is commendable. Um, Stephen, any predictions from you, sir? Yeah, so I, I think the technology part is definitely a key component to advancing education and making it more accessible to different demographics. But I still think it comes down to great teachers. And, and I'm in charge of technology and instructional design here. Uh, and I'm gonna say it comes down to great teachers. And 
you know, we have to continue to develop them, provide them the resources to be successful, get barriers out of their way. And, and that's my role. We don't just throw a whole bunch of technology things at them. We're very selective in what we choose. We, you know, we, we choose a couple of really good tools that will make it easy for them because if you give too much, it becomes information overload. We can't get away from finding the great faculty members where technology can never replace that. That's perfect. Thank you for that, Stephen. What Stephen says, really, it's <laughs> it's great. We can have all the technology, we can have all the paraphernalia, all the tricks and everything, but ultimately it goes back to people. <laughs> we are people, we're social animals, we need connection, we need to see each other, talk to each other, share ideas. So technology is great, but it's not the answer people, <laughs> how they use that technology, what they do with that, what they communicate, that's really at the base. So Dr. Lentz, uh, Stephen, Giancarlo, thank you all for your time. Hopefully this was fun for you. I know it was fun for me. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions presented by BHDP for this episode, Hybrid Learning with Galen College of Nursing with Dr. Aaron Lentz, Dean of Arts and Sciences, Stephen Carniol, Senior Director of Online Technology and Instructional Design, and Giancarlo Delvita, Higher Education Design Leader. If you appreciate what you've heard, please rate, subscribe, and give us a review. I am Brian Trainer, your host, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design. <laughs>